Welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. The spring is a time of significant religious celebration. The Jewish community celebrates the holiday of Passover for seven days in the land of Israel. And amongst the majority of Jews living in the diaspora outside the land of Israel for eight days. As many of you know, Passover is the biblical holiday, which is commanded upon the Jewish people as an eternal memorial to celebrate their freedom from slavery in Egypt and their opportunity to pledge themselves as a nation at Mount Sinai to the God of their ancestors. There are, of course, many ways that Passover is observed. In the synagogue, there are special prayers added. On the first, second, and seventh, and eighth day, there are special Torah readings. And, of course, there is the famous uh, Passover Seder, in which people in their homes, using the text known as the Haggadah, Uh, observe the rituals and traditions that are somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,800 years old. The Christian members of society also have an important celebration in the spring, Easter. Easter is, as many of you, my listeners, will know, an opportunity to observe the resurrection of uh, Jesus Christ. And the story of the resurrection and the crucifixion are found within the Gospels, both in the Synoptic Gospels and the Gospel of John. And in all four Gospels, there is um, an identification with the last day of Jesus's life and the Jewish people of Jerusalem while the Synoptic Gospels tell one story and date it um, as if it were on Passover, John seems to offer a different dating. The intersection of Passover and Easter has led to many difficult times for the Jewish people. During the Middle Ages, there were pogroms started um, in response to rumors that uh, the Jewish community needed the blood of Jewish children to uh, make the matzah, the unleavened bread, for Passover. Of course, there was no truth to that religiously or ceremonially, but in the medieval period, Uh, Christian anti-Semitism found many ways in which to actualize their concern that the Jewish people were the, quote, killers, end of quote, of God's son. Throughout history, beyond the Middle Evil period, the relationship between the church 
first with the Catholic Church and then with subsequent Protestant denominations, and the Jewish people was certainly uh, less than wonderful, shall we say. This found its apex in the events known as the Shoah, the Holocaust, in which uh, the Catholic Church seemed to have been publicly silent about the German persecution and murder of Jews, while perhaps there were individual priests and bishops and cardinals who worked diligently for the preservation of Jewish life, Pope Pius XII and others in the Vatican seem to have um, been mute during this time. And certainly many leaders of the German Lutheran Church um, were not willing to uh, publicly challenge the actions of the Third Reich. Beginning in the 1960s with the Second Vatican Council and a public apology by Pope John XXIII for the behaviors of the Catholic Church, relations between the Jewish community and the Catholic Church and Christian communities in general have taken a turn for the better. And while there are always incidents on both sides, which would lead one to hope that the path was more straightforward, that has not always been true. But this morning, I want to share with you um, the words of a guest who will be um, in the forefront a very amazing opportunity for members of the Catholic Church and members of the Jewish community to gather on the Mount of Beatitudes in the land of Israel and share three or four days of interfaith communication, a coming together at a time in the spring in which Jews and Christians have usually found themselves uh, on totally polar opposite sides of the spectrum with regard to philosophical theological belief and community interaction. My guest this morning is Rabbi Jay Rosenbaum, who is the president of the North American Board of Rabbis. This organization works with boards of rabbis across North America, including the United States and Canada. The North American Board of Rabbis is at the forefront of interfaith and international relations and is an advocate for world Jewry. Good morning, uh, Rabbi Rosenbaum. How are you? Good. Good morning to you and a happy Passover. A happy Passover to you. Um, this morning, as you know, we're going to speak to each other about this very unusual conclave that's going to take place on the Mount of Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you to describe um, who is the organizing body of this and what is the history of this uh, gathering? The Organizers and sponsors uh, are the neocatechumenal way. This is a new reality within the Catholic Church with approximately two million followers around the world, which was started by Kiko Aguelo and uh, Carmen Hernandez. It is lay driven, and the 
leaders of the various groups work with local priests and bishops. The nexus of this uh, program, which is historic, it's probably the largest gathering of priests, bishops, cardinals, and rabbis in history, except for the first one, which occurred two years ago by the Neocatechumenal Way, held at the Domos Galilee on the Hill of Beatitudes, uh, was a concert written by uh, Kiko Aguelo, a true Renaissance man, uh, proficient in the arts in many different uh, areas, including music, a concert entitled Suffering of the Innocence, an act of love and reconciliation to the Jewish people for the suffering of the Jewish people during the Shoah. It was couched in the profound emotional picture and reality of Mary suffering the crucifixion of Jesus. Following the uh, concert in New York, which was about five years ago, I spoke with the members of the Neocatechumenal Way who had reached out to me, uh, and we discussed the need to continue Catholic-Jewish dialogue, get to know each other, see what we can do collectively uh, to what we Jews call tikkun olam, helping to repair the world, and how to transmit faith, family values and the presence of the holy in a secular world. It sounds like a fascinating experience. Um, before you tell us about your experience two years ago, um, perhaps you can share with the listeners why you think this particular group, um, kind of, I guess, a charismatic uh, Catholic um, perspective, um, is interested in the, this kind of um, relationship and healing of the history with the Jewish community. It's predicated on their deep respect and involvement with the Old Testament, and understanding that the Catholic faith and the uh, writings of the New Testament were built upon the foundation of the Old Testament, the respect for the the sages, the patriarchs, and matriarchs, and also their very close ties with the Vatican, uh, specifically John Paul II, the, the second, uh, Pope Benedict, and now Pope Francis, and their outreach to the Jewish people, uh, an understanding on the part of now uh, Saint John Paul II, and I was had the honor of being there when he was made a saint, together with John the Twenty-Third in the Vatican, that the Jewish people were the older brothers and sisters of the Church, and that we had a mission to work together. In fact, the center where the conference will take place was dedicated by John Paul II in 2002, not only as a seminary, but a center for interreligious dialogue. Uh, so this is the very basis upon which their outreach to the Jewish people, I believe, evolved. And, and, and in your experience of interfaith work, do you find the neo-catechumenical way 
to be more respectful of the writings of the Old Testament and the origins of Christianity to be found within Judaism than has traditionally been the policy of the Vatican? Uh, I, I can't say that. There, okay. I think there is a profound uh, sense of respect on part of the Catholic Church uh, in general. And the outreach, especially these past 50 years, and again, just two years ago, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Vatican II of Nostra Aetate. Um, it's been a remarkable outreach to the Jewish people and a sea change of 2,000 years. A significant a, change. Significant, profound, where, in a sense, the Jews went from a people to be scorned uh, to a people to be embraced and respected. And the last three popes, last three popes we've seen in particular, have made this a cornerstone of, uh, of their ministry, not only to the Catholic Church, but uh, to the world. It often seems like that message is not as widely publicized um, as you make it appear to be. One of the problems, and this is a unique dynamic of the neocatechumenal way, it's getting the message to the people. And people being comfortable to step out of what they're used to, or to step out of their comfort zone, and to encounter and engage the other, ask the difficult questions. Part of the problem is that Jews and, and, and Catholics, especially amongst the, the leadership, we really don't know each other. We have relationships within our own communities where we live, with our, with our neighbors and, and friends, even family members of different faiths. But this effort to really get to know each other's history, concerns, feelings, uh, where we can cooperate and where we cannot, has really not been made. I attended a gathering in D.C., well, I'd say about eight, ten years ago, uh, called by uh, Pope Benedict at the John Paul II Center, and he made a profound statement. He said, we are different faiths. There are areas we, we can work together and areas where we cannot work together. There are beliefs we share and beliefs we do not share. We have to respect the other. And this has to be conveyed. And I, I see it even in America, in some of my dealings with the, um, with the Catholic Church and with its uh, hierarchy. Right. And the neocatechumenal way is step forward and say, we're going to change things. We're going to get to know each other. And through the encounter to strengthen each other, and strengthen our sense of faith and fulfill our individual mission. Well, it's a laudable goal, and certainly one that I think um, many would hope for. Um, you know, this is a time of year in the springtime when Jews and Christians um, have traditionally been separated by the stories of Jewish involvement in the um, death of Jesus and anything that could uh, take us away from the origins of our um, difficult relations with each other is of course a step forward. Now you alluded to the fact that you attended the first conclave two years ago yes. in the um, 
conference center on the Mount of Beatitudes in the land of Israel, uh, a beautiful location uh, overlooking uh, the Kinneret, the, mm-hmm. and um, I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners what um, the essence of that gathering was, besides simply having two people of two faiths in the same place at the same time. There was a sense of celebration that we were able to celebrate with each other. They were able to let down our guards, uh, to accept each other as, as partners with God, each in our own way. Uh, in my remarks, towards the close of the conference, uh, I tried to explain two central concepts in Israel. One found in the beautiful concert they put on, which ended with this, a rendition of singing of the Shema Yisrael. For those uh, who are listening and may not be... Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, which is found in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, Right, uh, is the prayer uh, that Jews say when they get up in the morning, go to sleep at night, and the last words upon their lips right. before it's, they it's, enter. It's called by many the central watchword of the Jewish faith. Yes. It proclaims the oneness and indivisibility of God. Um, and for that to have been part of a uh, Catholic musical presentation is uh, quite a step forward. Yeah, you will hear it uh, when, when you attend the concert. As a matter of fact, my congregation, Temple Israel of Lawrence, which is the oldest temple in Long Island, um, we have the largest uh, coalition of Jewish organizations and synagogues of all branches of Judaism celebrating Dr. King's life and legacy, and we do it on the anniversary of his passing. Wow. About two weeks ago, and I invited members of the local neocatechumenal way uh, community to sing the Shema, and, and it touched the hearts of all. I'm it sure that that's true. Uh, and uh, But again, that, the, the central message is there is what is Israel to hear? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Yes, that's the opening. And it continues, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your, with all your heart, etc., etc., etc. Again, from the, the book of Deuteronomy. Right. Um, and, and when you were there, and now you're planning a, a return visit, um, could you share with the listeners... Um, who do you think, well, who was there the first time representing the Catholic Church, and who was there from the Jewish community? How widely was it representative? And um, in the new incarnation, in just a few weeks, um, will it be similar uh, kind of attendees? I hope so. From the Vatican, you had Cardinal Pell, uh, one of the uh, main members of, of the Curio together with uh, Monsignor Tony Figueredo, uh, who was the director of the North American Pontifical College. You had Cardinal Schoenbrunn, Archbishop of uh, Vienna, a dear friend, a uh, strong uh, advocate for Jewish-Catholic uh, relations. You had uh, chief rabbis from around the world, of every branch of Judaism. You had my dear friend, Rabbi Pinchas Goldschmidt, who is not only chief rabbi of Moscow, but the president of the uh, European Conference of Rabbis. Uh, 
you had leading rabbis from France and, and Italy and uh, the Netherlands, and the list goes on and on, as well as a delegation of 40 rabbis from Israel, representative of the chief rabbinate, and uh, 70 rabbis from the United States, which I had the honor of, of leading from all the branches of Judaism. I don't I, know that um, that kind of gathering of uh, rabbis uh, takes place outside of that um, particular location where you have all the branches of Judaism represented over a period of time, uh, potentially speaking to each other. Um, that, is the, that is the message, that's the goal of the North American Board of Rabbis. It's unity in our diversity as Jews, and again, I think that's the message of the conference, that though we are people of different faiths, as children of God and citizens of the world, we share the same fate. And as I mentioned in my remarks, what is Israel to hear? To love God. How do you love God? By loving his children. And amplified it to what they call the golden rule. You love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. Now that's something impossible taken on face value. So what could it mean? That is, you love your neighbor, the other. I, the Lord, will love you. So it's a sense of partnership, and also the concept of being the chosen people, probably one of the most misunderstood concepts in Judaism, especially outside of the Jewish world. doesn't mean the Jews are better. It means we are chosen to be servants, to help other people of all faiths, of all branches, of all nationalities. I pointed uh, out uh, toward the window, which overlooked the uh, sea of Lake of Tiberias and the Golan Heights and pointed out the difference between what we were doing here on the shores um, of Lake Tiberias and what was going on just a few miles in from the Golan Heights. Referring to Syria. Referring to Syria, referring to ISIS, referring right. to um, Assad. Right. I mean, so many people, I mean, you allude to this um, in a direct way, so many people think of religion as a uh, precipitant of violence and a precipitant of hatred, and this um, coming together uh, belies that kind of uh, false knowledge um, and sets a new standard for how um, religious communities, though in disagreement with each other theologically, um, can work together. At the conclusion of the first gathering, and in the intervening years, were there opportunities for the participants to continue to keep in touch with each other or follow through on projects? Uh, there have been in different, uh, in different communities across the United States. Uh, and the message, which has to get down to the laity, has to get down to the grassroots, very, very simple. We have to develop relationships. We have to follow, uh, find partners in our quest to make the world a better place and to break down uh, the walls that, uh, that separate us. Um, as our show is um, located and um, broadcast to Canadians, I'm wondering, were there Canadians who participated the first time? Um, and might there be Canadians participating the second time? I'm sure there were, and I have no doubt that there, there will be uh, in, in the coming weeks. 
So that's a real challenge to Canadian um, clergy of all denominations to reach out to each other and to uh, find ways to continue the conversation that's begun in the beautiful setting of uh, this conference center on the shores of the Canaret and on the Mount of the Beatitudes. Uh, Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, we, We are called spiritual leaders, whether we are priests, ministers, pastors, a rabbis or religious educators. What does it mean to be a spiritual leader? It means to bring others from where they are to where they should be, not only in relation to themselves, but in relation to people of different faiths, in relation to our world. So as uh, I listen to you chat, a couple of questions that I want to use as a way of um, closing our time together this morning. Do the members, uh, do the participants worship together? Yes, it, it, it is absolutely wonderful to behold. Jews I, I, and Catholics worshiping, uh, worshiping together. Um, they're at times observing each other's liturgy without a sense of fear or, or backing away, rather a sense of, of respect. So um, the gathering doesn't take place on a Sunday... So the, uh, would there be a mass that people, that would be celebrated for all to attend? Well, services are, are offered. The reason it doesn't take place on a Sunday, and you have me to blame for that, <laughs> uh, is to get the uh, rabbis, especially from America, uh, to Israel in time. Right, the they would not be able to travel on the Saturday on the, Shabbat. On the Sabbath, exactly. So... Um, it, 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 and also, um, pulpit rabbi is usually very busy on the weekends. So it's not a question to avoid a mass, but rather... To uh, accommodate rabbis. But, yes, but it was remarkable. We were there on uh, Lagba Omer. Why don't you explain to your listeners what Lagba Omer is, actually? Well, so um, between Passover and Shavuot the third of the pilgrim festivals, or the second, depending on how you count them, Mm -hmm. there are 50 days known as the Omer. The 33rd day of the Omer is considered the one day in which Jews can celebrate. Uh, And there's an ancient story of the celebration of the glory of teaching of Torah that takes place on the 33rd day of that 50-day period. It's similar to the Pentecost that exists between after uh, Easter. Right. And it's a day of celebration. You had to be there. A bonfire was lit, and the Jewish and the Catholic uh, participants were dancing around the uh, bonfire, singing Hebrew liturgical and, and popular music uh, led by a dear friend of mine who I'll be bringing this year, Kenta Phil Sherman. And this year, the, the conference takes place on Yom Atzmut, Israeli Independence Day? Yes, I take credit for that as well. Well, you, you deserve a lot of credit for that because I, I would find it fascinating how uh, the celebration of the 
creation of the state of Israel, which is known both in the Declaration of Independence and the prayers as the first flowering of the redemption of the Jewish people, will be celebrated in this interfaith uh, setting. Um, whether it's with dancing or the traditional barbecue or singing. Um, you know, we have just a few seconds left. I'm wondering if you'd like to leave the listeners with any last thought about the um, unique nature of this gathering. It's, it's a message to all people of faith that not to be afraid to reach out to, to the other, to be people are known as lovers rather than people who shun the other. That there is one God that loves us all and wants us to love each other. And you need not be a, a priest or, or a rabbi. As I said, the neocatechumenal way it was developed and is led by a layman, Kiko Aguelo. It is a message for this time of year, whether it's yeah. Passover or Easter. Rabbi Jay Rosenbaum, President of North American Board of Rabbis, I want to thank you for joining me on Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. This is Rabbi Stephen Garten wishing you good day and shalom. Shalom. Thank you. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Israel.